hang on a minute. What are we even talking about today? Oh, honey, we're giving the people what they want. Welcome back to the section, everyone. I'm really nervous. Oh my god, I'm freaking out. <laughs> I do feel like I'm freaking out for some reason. Okay, I am so excited to be here with my sister recording again for season two of the Sexton podcast. Welcome back, everyone. You are with your favorite den mothers yeah. and full blood sisters. Wow. Lauren. White, a.k.a. She-Wolf Lauren, and Camille Misbach, a.k.a. Camille Misbach, on everything. (laughs) I am so excited to be recording today. I'm smiling. I'm nervous. I'm shaking in my boots. (laughs) And there's not much of an intro other than that. So welcome back, everyone. Yeah, welcome back. We're so excited to be here. Welcome to the Wolf Pack. Ow, ow, ow! (laughs) Yay! Yeah, we did it. Okay. We have taken months off. It's been a big, big break. I can't believe. Big break. (laughs) We are almost, I mean, we are releasing this on the last day of March. Yeah. Right? Yeah. March is 30 or 31. Yeah. Whatever it is. I think it's 31. Yeah. 31 days. So we are launching this on March 30th. And it, so our last one was before when? Before Thanksgiving. Uh, right after Thanksgiving, I think it was right around the holidays. I don't even remember when. Yeah. So, so much has happened in that time period. Oh it feels God. like we've lived a whole. I lived in a different country for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. <laughs> I am engaged. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Like we, but it's so, it's exciting. And it felt like we had to take that time off mm-hmm. because I mean, I literally lost my voice and not in a raspy, sexy way, kind of in a way where I literally felt like I couldn't talk for months. So you really did. That would have been hard to do a podcast. And I was continuing to find my voice too. So Mm -hmm. we were going to take the holidays off. And then Michael and I, my husband and I started traveling and we were like, no, we're just still not ready to record. We Mm -hmm. honestly didn't even talk about it. It was just like, no, we're going to come back when we're ready. And now we're back. We're actually physically living in the same place. Yes. Which is so like much fun. The same I'm property. Living in her garage. Could, no. <laughs> this is actually Camille's home. Yeah. This that you see behind us. Yeah. No. So our our the house that Shane and I bought, we, we kind of bought it in a daze. Yes. Like it happened so fast. We literally closed in three weeks and all of a sudden we were just living in the forest. But we didn't even really consider the fact that our house came with a mother-in-law cottage flat yeah granny flat attached to Mm -hmm. it it's a one bed one bath like fully equipped so when Camille and Michael came back from Tulum yeah we basically were like you guys should just move in to the our granny flat like you can literally pay us rent yes and like live at our house and that's what's happening it is the best it's the best thing ever it's so fun I can't I still can't believe it every morning I wake up and I roll over and I'm like Shane Camille and Michael are next door. Like they literally are living next yeah. door. We get to share Momo, the dog. Yes. And we get to go on walks. We get to go to the gym together. And now we have our own little podcast recording studio. So we get to do that together. Yes. <laughs> it's so fun. So if you're here for the first time, we are back. <laughs> How do we introduce our We are beings. <laughs> and basically, 
Full Blood Sisters, Lauren bought a home. She is now engaged. She is a personal power heart space healer. Oh, yeah. I Everything. Sort of, yeah. My whole <laughs> situation has changed, too. I discovered that I have these powers that I didn't know that I have. Mm-hmm. And yep. I can help people do these massive somatic releases on a variety of different psychedelics. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's really great. she's exploring that, and it's so beautiful to yeah, watch. I'm exploring that. Still doing sexual coaching, but it's now it's sexual embodiment coaching. Mm. I was doing a lot of confidence before and talking about, you know, vibrators and how to have great sex with your partner. And now it's more just how do we embody sexuality? I'm going more into tantrism, more into really feeling sex as something that is all of us. It isn't yeah. just, you know, something that you perform basically. Mm-hmm. So your it's message been, has ma- massively changed yeah. in such a beautiful way, just really authentically. Yeah. It, it's almost just like whatever I'm going through, it feels like that becomes part of my coaching. The deeper and deeper I go into the center of my own heart, that feels like the right thing to talk about. So then I just do that. Yeah. I absolutely love that for and you. And you. And me. So again, first time listeners, a year ago, I was an environmental engineer sitting in a cubicle, working 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I have a husband who I love. We just celebrated two years of marriage together. Very exciting. (laughs) And we, I decided to quit my job a year ago, decided to start a real estate business, found out that that wasn't right in my heart either. Went through a massive healing journey from psychedelics and awakened to my outer life purpose. I really like, I just read the book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which I recommend to everybody. And he does a beautiful explanation of inner purpose versus outer purpose. Your inner purpose is awakening. It's everybody's purpose on earth as a human consciousness. And our outer purpose changes as our life changes. And my outer purpose has become helping other people heal. So I do one-on-one sessions with people where I don't necessarily like to call, call it coaching. I like to call it energy healing. And we do a lot of chakra work, meditation. I help people heal through breath work and embodiment and a series of calls where I give you a safe space to just acknowledge, face, and feel your trauma. Wow. So I freaking love what I do now. Every single call, I am elated and I feel Mm. so alive after my calls. Yeah. It feels like my purpose on the outside has shown itself. So yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really excited because your story is different from my story, but still along the same path of like how we got to our external purpose, our outer purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that would actually be a cool episode for us to do because I've been getting a lot more requests just about how do I find my purpose? How do I do that? Me too. And so I think that having an episode about purpose purpose would be so important yeah and doing interverse outer purpose and I just wrote a piece on that's on my Instagram about what we're truly searching for and a lot of the time we confuse what we're looking for on the inside with outer distraction Mm -hmm. so I think that's really important and I would freaking love to do an episode about that yeah that would be so great (laughs) yes so this episode episode one of season two is really huge for me Mm -hmm. and us and just everyone in my family and just everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And speaking of outer purpose and why we have, you know, why I've discovered it when I started my energy healing, and I guess I'll start off with just doing a trigger warning for kind of the next massive part of this episode and a trigger warning towards sexual assault. And man, I'm already getting emotional because I'm talking about it publicly for the first time. But I haven't felt like I could be 100% authentic with my audience because I have not shared what my big T trauma is. And I wanted to just start off this season kind of releasing it from my chest and kind of stepping into what I want to do as a whole and as an energy healer. And it involves women and sexual assault. Mm -hmm. So today I'm going to share my story. And I just also want to shout out every other woman who's ever gone through something like this. I honor you and I'm here for you. And it's going to be really big today Mm -hmm. and scary. It's really brave. Mm -hmm. I mean, we discussed not even rehearsing how this goes. Mm -hmm. So I've heard what you're going to share, you know, so many times we've talked about it at length, but I think putting it out into the world in this way and making a statement and discussing your story is Mm -hmm. just so brave. And I just want to celebrate and honor you because that in itself is Mm -hmm. the message, right? It's like getting to a point where you feel like you can share this Mm -hmm. and bring it to the world. And I just know how much work you've done here on you. Mm. So I'm really proud of you, sis. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And just to let everyone know, I had a psychedelic experience and I'll I'll dive into that when I wrote this. Um, But I wrote this in October. I actually wrote this on Lauren's birthday last year after walking. And I just had a vision of how I wanted to tell my story to the world. Mm. And I wrote this blog post and I have yet to share it yet, but I will be sharing it also on my website called camillemisbach.com and I have a blog called When the Singing Stops and this goes into the meaning behind my blog name. You ready? Yes. Take a (laughs) breath. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And I think there's no need to apologize for me being emotional during it, but it's going to (laughs) happen. Okay. At 16, I was in the cool friend group. Not people my age, but older. The hot guys, the fun guys, the rebels, if you will. I found my voice with them. I felt worthy, safe, and appreciated. They thought I was cool, and at 16, that seems to be the only thing that matters. One day, my vulnerability grew. I decided to sing for them. Again, feeling safe and worthy. The song was the glee version of Faithfully. I sang with my soul sister, and they were floored. The excitement and smiles grew us closer into the group. This became our routine, drinking, singing, laughing, repeat. Another summer night, same routine. The group felt more distant at this point. Too much had happened. They were graduated. Friends had had sex. You could feel in the air the energies were drifting away. This was the night that would change the trajectory of the rest of my life. On this night, I was taken advantage of. I disassociated from my body. My voice was not heard. My no 
repeatedly saying no was not enough. Forced into a sheepish yes because you are afraid, that is not a yes. My voice was stripped away from me by the same person who had built it up in the first place. Deep in my soul, the singing stopped. The vulnerability, the value in no, the feeling like my voice mattered, these were things that he took away from me. I let this eat me alive for five years. How many people have you slept with? People would ask. Yet my body would never let me count that night because it was not sex and it was never consensual. Five years later, Lauren, my sister and best friend, and I were on a drive up to Sedona. I felt the vortex sweeping over me and I pulled over onto the dirt road. I voiced my truth for the first time. I wept, we wept, and for the first time, I felt validation. I felt safe, and I felt that it was not my fault. This is where I thought my healing journey would end. I believed speaking my truth and telling close friends and family would allow me to just get over it. And yet, my voice did not return. In fact, it subconsciously continued to get worse. I would cringe when watching videos of people singing. It turned into a joke with my friends and sister that I couldn't stand to watch people perform and sing. Without me knowing it, my body was protecting me from the pain that I had felt years ago. It's been 11 years now. Six more years had gone by since I first voiced my truth. A month ago, the connections and PTSD I had felt still had not become clear to me. A burning in my chest after I quit my 9 to 5 as an engineer. The heartburn wouldn't go away. My mind racing wouldn't go away. And so I booked a trip with my sister in Tulum. With guidance of two angels who were divinely placed next to us at breakfast, I was called to Bufo, 5-MeO-DMT, the most powerful hallucinogen in the world, 20 minutes of unconscious, soul-searching beauty that would be the second most impactful event in my life. When I emerged, rebirthed from heaven, the shaman looked at me dead in the eyes. Do you sing? He asked. The three words that would impact my entire healing journey. I sobbed as I held my heart and uttered the words I used to. And it was in that moment that I realized my healing had just begun. Because it was more than singing that I had lost 11 years ago. It was my sense of safety, my willingness to be vulnerable, my ability to easily tap into and show emotions. It was not an immediate recovery. I tried to push the healing away again. I wanted to fix everything else in my life, but not that. It was too deep of a wound. My body would not let me push it away this time. I spent two months completely dissociated from my body. Panic attacks in the middle of the night, anxiety, you name it. A day in the park with Lauren two months after Bufo, I finally had my first cry. Finally had my realization that I was not okay. My true healing. I've had meltdowns, shed tears that were bottled in me for 10 years, writhed in pain and screamed fuck you with the person who did this to me, was held by other women as I cried like a newborn, started going to therapy, and started singing again. Before I even knew what it was about, 
I listened to Kesha's song, Praying. I played it on repeat and sobbed for what felt like days. I sang it in my bathroom and felt like she had written it for me. When my sister told me why she had written it, the meaning grew even deeper. Kesha reclaimed her power using that song, and it fell into my headphones right as I had decided to reclaim mine. Just as Kesha says, I thank him now for everything I've become, for making me stronger than I thought possible, for allowing my body to protect me and heal when my time was right, for allowing me to take back my power and use my voice to make a change. My podcast, my blog, the healing services that I offer are all birthed from that single experience. For me, it was my voice. For every woman I talk to, it's something else. Replace singing with vulnerability, dancing, painting, loving, sex. The list goes on. I honor each and every one of you who have had a piece of you taken away. And just remember, when the singing stops, it gives us the opportunity to reclaim our power, rediscover who we are, and dig into our true life purpose. I love you and hope to inspire you to heal. It will be the most painful and rewarding thing you ever do. Heal yourself. Heal the world. I haven't read that in months, (laughs) but it feels really good. (sighs) Okay. That was beautiful. Thank you. I can hear that it just flowed out of you. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing because hearing you read that, there are so many different parts of it that bring up this visceral reaction in me where it's like parts of it I want to sob, parts Mm. of it I want to throw up, parts Mm. of it, you know, it's like when something like this happens to somebody, it isn't just happening to them, mm. right? It, it like permeates. Mm-hmm. It, there's this collective pain that yeah. happens. And it's amazing the story when you begin healing and telling your story, just how many women said, me too. Me too. I haven't even talked about it. I can't even deal I with that. I can't even deal with that. I can't mm-hmm. like – and then that brings up this rage. Like, there, it's just so. Yeah. <laughs> it is rage. And I've felt it all. <laughs> yeah. I felt it all. I mean, I felt extreme sadness. I felt shame. I felt guilt. I felt so much anger. And then I felt peace. Mm. It's like I had to go through this range of emotion until I finally can rest. Mm -hmm. And I've I've never addressed the person just like so many. And now it feels like you don't get that fucking power over me. Mm. Like I, I don't even want the person to know. And I can understand why so many women never come forward. And I reached a thank you and fuck you phase, a radical acceptance where 
the person's response doesn't matter to me, but I have written the person three letters at different phases of my healing and they were all very different. Mm. And I, I am a firm believer and I know that we have to feel all of those things if we really want that trauma to be out of our bodies and if we don't want to pass it to our kids Mm. and create generational trauma that is a burden on anyone's energetic body. Yeah. I think if you're comfortable with it, just kind of the different ways that your body felt, Mm. like if you could tell us how your body felt when it was tight, when you knew you needed a release, how did you let it go? How did you express? And I know that you, you I mentioned read about it, it but you I didn't it. fully go into detail. But, yeah. But just really giving us a, a glimpse of what that looked like for you, if that's okay, because I know that so many people don't know where to start. They don't know mm. what it looks like. Yeah. A lot of us hold on to an idea of what healing might be like. Yeah. And I just want to say that it is so infrequently what you think it's going to look like. Yeah. Right? Like it isn't just journaling or changing Mm -hmm. your negative emotions into positive ones. A lot of times it's really ugly. Letting yourself really be ugly. Really ugly. Really be held. It can be really dark. Yeah. It can be really – it is the hardest thing in my opinion, regardless of whether it's sexual assault or some other kind of very deep healing, yeah. it's ugly. Yeah. It's it ugly. Really is. And you have to reach rage. And I know that I, mm-hmm. I'm i not meaning to take away the question that I just asked you, but oh, it, yeah. just tell us a little bit yeah, if that's okay. Before I even knew, when when I first told you six years ago now, I felt like I was hollow like if people would ask me how many people have you slept with every time in my head it was like oh not that one Mm -hmm. and I just wouldn't I I wouldn't count that I also before I finish answering the question I want to tell anyone who feels that swirling in your mind when that question comes up or when you think about the experience and you feel disgusted and scared and shamed for so long I did not count it as rape because it wasn't what they show in movies it wasn't a violent I wasn't screaming I wasn't terrified for my life but I was absolutely pressured into saying yes and all I can remember from that night is how many times I said no Mm. so I want to validate and honor and just show that my heart is going out to yours if your same experience is sounding a lot like mine because that is rape It's not just what they show you in movies. If you were pressured into saying yes, if you were scared into saying yes, it doesn't matter what you wore. It doesn't matter if you were drinking. That was rape. That person is a fucking rapist. And your story is valued. And I think that I sat with that for so long and I blamed myself for so long until it finally got to the point where it felt like it was literally 
bursting out of my head. Yeah. And that's when I told you. And then we sink into this I'm okay phase. Right. And okay, I've told people I feel like it's off my chest. I'm okay now. And I feel like that's where the damage comes in Mm. because the guilt and shame, at least you're thinking about it, saying I'm okay because I've talked about it is letting something fester inside of you that you don't even realize. Mm. And for me, it was that singing. I would not have even thought that that came from that experience until I had that massive awakening. And then after I also saw a therapist and she said, you, that, you have PTSD. You, you don't like to see people sing. You don't like to be vulnerable and sing anymore because that's when it happened to you. Mm. And so that feeling was almost liberating thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm validated. Yeah. When, you know, connecting the dots, when did I stop singing? When, why did this? And I think it's a good lesson. Those things grow deeper in you through the years. Like it went from me just not singing anymore to me physically barely able to watch people sing without cringing. And for every woman, it's different. I mean, I think a lot of the times it reflects in a sexual way. It reflects when you're in a maybe a situation with a partner where you you are physically intimate and you have PTSD from something. And I know a lot of women like that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like a partner will come up behind you and, you know, hug yeah. you or something and it makes you jump. It can yeah. result in being very viscerally mm-hmm. um, overwhelmed, like jumpy or really scared easily. Yeah. Um, Even like certain sex positions, you might totally just completely disassociate when that happens. That happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these things, wrapping back to your question, I've I've felt all of these things. And then when I felt like I really needed to heal, I felt a burning in my chest. It was interesting because that's where my trauma was held in my throat chakra and into my heart. And so I sort of broke open that pathway when I did a massive psychedelic experience, which I didn't even know why I was doing it. I just felt like it called to me. And then, like I said in my story, I pushed the healing away again for months. And we ended up going to a women's weekend in Sedona, which was interesting. It was the same place I had first told Lauren, which we didn't even plan. We had planned this months in advance. And one of the women there shared her story with me, and it was the same. It was literally the same, the same summer. We were the same age. And one night we were all sitting there and she read her story to me and the group. And it felt like she was speaking my truth in poetic form. And I just sobbed and sobbed. And she held me in her arms and she said, let's breathe together. And I just screamed and cried and writhed in pain and screamed, fuck you. And like, ah, like getting it out of my body, the rage, the rage. And I had been dis I had been dissociated from my body for about two months. And after that, I came back into my body. My body knew it needed something to process. And after that screaming and crying, I finally came back into my body, which was incredible to me. (laughs) I mean, 
witnessing that experience was incredible and just mm. watching magic like that unfold. And I think when you really open yourself up to healing and you kind of surrender to how it happens, but just keep committing to that path, yeah, that magic really explodes around you. And yeah. also for anybody who's listening who isn't familiar with the term diso- disassociating, what mm. does that feel like? What does it mean? So that night that it happened to me when I was 16, I remember repeatedly saying no, 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 no. And whether I said yes, I don't really remember. And then I completely dissociated and don't remember him doing that to me. Um, And then I remember like coming back to when I was washing my hands And a lot of times that happens to people who are experiencing a big trauma is their soul a little like kind of leaves your body. And that's why a lot of the time the memories are spotty is because your body goes into full on fight or flight mode and you protect yourself in any way you can. So part of your brain physically shuts down and The Body Keeps the Score is a beautiful book that talks about it and actually talks about the biology behind trauma and big trauma survivors. And it really put it into words for me of why I felt like I could could only not remember the experience, but I could remember so many details around it. And it's a very common occurrence, especially for people who experience sexual assault. So after that, when I had my psychedelic experience when I say I dissociated from my body it felt like I was no my soul was not on earth it felt like my body wasn't my own anymore my I my senses were tingling I just felt like I could not exist in human form Mm. and I think that the dissociation was taking me back to the first time I had ever dissociated which was that time Mm. and Whatever the purpose was, that psychedelic, that plant medicine would not let me come back into my body until I processed that pain. God, it's so incredible. Mm. And for anyone who experiences anxiety or panic attacks, really, I mean, really bad anxiety or panic, panic disorder, people typically dissociate during those episodes as well, which happens to me which we'll talk about on another episode, I'm sure. But I don't fully dissociate. Some people completely dissociate from their body and they will be visually seeing themselves from above themselves. So their soul is above them watching their human body. That doesn't happen to me. It does happen to some. And for that, I mean, it's such a scary experience. But for me, it really did feel like my energy was floating above my body for months. Wow. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's very common for trauma survivors because you just don't want to be there. So you subconsciously remove yourself from your body. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that the body does that. And then it's like this, the healing is the pro the process and the practice of moving through that, somatically releasing it, like truly physically releasing it from your body Mm. and then coming back into your home. Yeah. So it's like coming home. Yeah. And when I work 
with clients and what things I've read and heard and listening to books, reading books, if you do not feel the emotions, you will not heal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say in my coaching, I am here to help you acknowledge, face, and feel your trauma Mm. because you pretty much have to take your body back to that scenario and live in that body how you have how you've wanted to react for years since then and then you're able to to live again I mean you're able to energetically come back into your body and that night that I screamed and cried with a bunch of women supporting me that's the reaction my body wanted to have 11 years ago and it finally felt it yeah and it's really hard I know now that pushing through that darkness and pushing through pain leads to greater joy a happier existence and a more peaceful internal world I'm I know yeah. I've felt it you do mm-hmm. I can feel it I see it mm. you know and it it feels like you get to reclaim what your truth is too. Mm. Like living from your heart space becomes available again because when you have all of that that's kind of looming in the background, it's always looming. It's living in you. Mm -hmm. You're reacting from that space, not even consciously, of course, but just Mm -mm. it's it's embedded in your blueprint. It is. Literally, you have to go back in. And the unfortunate part is that you didn't have – when we experience trauma in that way or in romantic neglect or in any of these ways, it's like you're not realizing that you're opening yourself up to – that like to this new blueprint when you experience a trauma you don't realize that it's shifting your cells and Mm -hmm. you're creating new barriers you're creating new protection yeah because the pain is so so intense so Mm. it's also what I have seen so many times with my clients is it's also thanking the pain thanking the dissociation yes thanking the the horrific experience and saying, I no longer need to live with you anymore. Yeah. Allow me to pass through. Mm-hmm. It's seeing it in the truth of what it was. Yeah. Saying what it meant to you, how you felt about it, going through this unknown period. Mm-hmm. And it is so scary. It's so scary. W- watching you go through this has been, I mean, God, it makes me I so know. sad. But it really is like it has been such an incredible testament to courage and like just I've seen you writhing, you know, and Mm. panic attacks and so much coming up. And Mm -hmm. it is so difficult to watch you. I can only imagine the courage and the fortitude and the determination that it takes to go through that. And so for you, for any woman, any person who's experienced this. Any person who's experienced this, like, I honor you. I bow to you. And I know that you can do this. Me too. You can (laughs) heal this. You can heal it. Mm. You can do it. You can do it. And you must do it. it is so fucking worth it. You must do it. You have to. Because you deserve it. 
Yeah. You deserve mm-hmm. to come back home to your body. Yeah. You deserve to know that you can do hard things. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You, you can do it. You can do it. And I also just want to say it physically lives in our bodies until you're able to feel and face. <sighs> so – not only affects the way you think about your past, but it affects your romantic relationships. It affects your workplace. It affects so many different things. And that's why I love that book so much. It actually shows where that experience fires in your brain. And for trauma survivors, it fires in different places than people who have never had trauma. Mm. So facing and feeling, I can't express enough how to feel how feeling is so important, it will drastically improve your life. I mean, I can feel again. I can feel emotion. I can feel into my heart space. I'm not confused anymore by emotion or thinking, I feel like I want to cry, but I can't really cry. No, I can cry now. I can express emotions normally. And I know it's from facing that pain. It's from rewiring my brain yes and rewiring it to pre-trauma yeah yeah and I also want to just say this is my passion and this is also what I feel like I said at the beginning is my outer purpose I also want women to know that you are not alone and also facing this alone is really difficult. I tried to face it alone for 11 years and it was not possible. Mm -hmm. I went to a therapist years ago and that didn't help. I am a firm believer and not just because I own a business that does this now. That's not the point. I am a firm believer in reaching out for help, Mm -hmm. going to a women's retreat, Mm -hmm. hiring a coach, going to a somatic release, Mm -hmm. breathwork experience, doing a shamanic ceremony where you're actually going there to heal. I mean, healing is so hard. And if you do not have someone holding you accountable and physically holding you and giving you a safe space or offering you a safe place to talk, it is a world of pain. Yes. (laughs) And I want to acknowledge that so many of us have told our stories to someone Mm. a figure that we were hoping would support us in some way and it ends up being really confusing there can be blaming you on the other side of it and so that's why these very specific curated groups, curated coaching for you where you can have somebody who really holds space and who really understands the pain and has gone through it and experienced it on the other side is, I mean, it's vital. I literally don't know how you could do it without that. And that's how I feel too. I just was, I was interviewed on a podcast. I'll shout it out. I get what I want podcast. And Jesse interviewed me about this subject. It'll be coming out in a few weeks after this one. But she asked the same thing. How does someone start? And I just said, reach out for help. 
reach out for help. I don't know how I would have done it without those series of events that I had gone through. And I didn't even know how deeply I needed to face it. Mm-hmm. I needed women's support. I needed support from my husband. I needed my family's support. I needed friends to hold me. I needed safe space. I needed to go to therapy. Like I invested a lot in myself so that I could heal. Any investment you make towards your healing is priceless. Mm -hmm. I will say it. It is absolutely priceless. I would have gone, (laughs) I don't want to take this too far, but I literally would have gone thousands of dollars in debt to get the peace that I feel now. That's amazing. I would have. I mean, just to have that release and ways, I guess, I mean, I would like to tell a couple ways that I've known how I felt healed. Yes. And I, I want to mention something before you say that mm. too, is that I think if you're wondering where to start, I do think that what needs to happen first is honesty with yourself Yes, such a good about point. what ha- has happened. Yeah. Honesty with yourself, writing with yourself, mm-hmm. some kind of a reclamation or like a a declaration of what happened that you didn't want to happen, that mm-hmm. you did not choose to happen. And this like, – we're talking about sexual assault right now and also I'm talking about any kind of healing – is yeah. It actually cannot start – like, yes, you can reach out to a coach. You can reach out to a therapist. But if you don't say to yourself first, this happened to me and I don't fucking know what to do about it. Yeah. But this happened and actually it really happened. Yes. Like, the acknowledging is the first step. Mm-hmm. And you have to be honest with yourself. Yes. Remove the I'm okay. Right. Remove the – you know, not even guilt and shame. You can work through those things through facing yeah. and feeling, but really removing those I'm okay words and just acknowledging that it's okay that you need to face something, even if it feels really small. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to honor people with any kind of trauma. Yeah. Even, even such a small experience, like someone hurting or someone hurting your feelings in elementary school and stuff. I mean, that can lead to a lifetime of pain for people and to acknowledge those things and even get to the step where you're saying I'm ready to face this and feel it and get rid of it is so beautiful. It's really the first step. Yeah. And I want hearing you say that I actually do want to talk about my own experience with what has come up for me in our next episode, I think. Me too. Because it's amazing how your trauma, if not in the way where I'm saying like, because of your trauma, I felt trauma. But in my body, as your big sister, feeling like I wasn't there to protect you, the guilt of, oh my God, I wasn't close enough to you during that time. Mm. You didn't feel like you could come to me. Like there's so much there. And then my trauma that isn't one specific event, but of a relationship that literally was two and a half years that I didn't even realize was so traumatic until I literally was like, Oh my God, I'm fucked up. 
holy shit. I yeah. Mean, so it's like this, we are exclusively talking about you today. And I want people who are listening to this to know that if you do not have a trauma that was a one-time experience or a two-time experience or a three-time that you can particularly put your finger on, but you know there's something inside of you that does not feel good. It makes your heart feel sick. Yeah, You feel like gross when people mention certain things. You have these really visceral reactions to anything that's mushy or lovey or anything. Like that's trauma too. And it's yes. really important to heal from it. It is really important. So- now I want to get back. So I I felt like I had to say that. No, you but- ha- you absolutely had to say it. And I also snowballing off that. <laughs> snowballing off that is even if years later you start processing something that had happened as traumatic, that's still trauma. You're still validated. I it literally took me 5 years to even voice those words. And so just because you've waited, just because you haven't felt right to share your story or like you've wanted to get help because you don't know if it's traumatic enough. You are still honored. Yes. You are still valid in your truth. Your truth is always going to be heard. Mm -hmm. That's so important. I'm so happy you brought that up. Well, and your truth is always going to be heard by you. Mm -hmm. It is important. It is imperative that you speak your own heart language. Even if other people say to you, like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. You were in middle school. Get over it. That was so long ago. That's bullshit. That's somebody who doesn't want to heal their own stuff. So it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. You know, it doesn't matter. It's if it's still on your heart and it can be little things. I have stuff come up all the time. Me too. I have like little <laughs> shit. And I'm I like stuff come up and it's oh. like, okay, gonna have to process this one. Well, it is just something, you know, it can be something small, like something you said to somebody, you know, I remember a partner telling me a story one time and I really did not like the story that he told me and it made me feel so disgusted. And I remember being like, I have no self-esteem right now and I'm going to stay with this person oh, even no. though – and it, it's the guilt of that. It's of like, course. you know, these little things that live They're little us. things. And I also so, – we're talking about a big T trauma today and something that I had to uncover in therapy was recognizing that all trauma is created equally. Does that make sense? Mm. I – Remember, I think in therapy, maybe the first session, it was like, I understand that it it isn't as bad as if blank. And my therapist just said, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Never say that again. It does not matter what the trauma is, when it happened to you, how many times. It does not matter. You are still allowed to feel and process like any other person was. It doesn't matter your privilege. It doesn't matter your background. Trauma is trauma and it resonates the same in the body. So yes, that is also a big message today. It it is. It's it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of us, I think, compare trauma or compare stories. Oh yeah. I literally have a post queued up about this just around like not feeling like your trauma is worthy enough 
it's yes. it's this like interesting feeling of like, well, I had this really great upbringing and my parents loved me and I always had a yes. house and food over my head. Yeah. So, you know, people have it so much worse and, you know, socioeconomically or whatever. And you mm-hmm. kind of just put it off and just decide to kind of be you kind of decide to be more miserable than you could be because it's not You feel like it's privileged. Of, yeah. Right. And and it is privileged. Healing is a privilege. It is something that we have to have our basic needs met before all of a sudden like you can you're yeah. in survival mode. Yeah. If you can't if you're not eating or you don't have a home, right? But yes. if you do and you can eat and you have some money coming in, it starts to come up. The more safe you feel, in your circumstances, the more obvious these trauma triggers are. Yeah, that's such so a good point. So it is privilege. It is privilege. And also, like we used to say in season one, I'll say it again. If you have the privilege to heal and you don't, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it to say that. sounds funny, but it's not. It sounds funny, but if if you're in a situation where you feel safe and and ready and ready to heal – and you're not doing it, what is the point? And Eckhart Tolle, again, I'll, I'll reference this book again in A New Earth, talks about it. It's a collective pain body. Mm-hmm. We heal one, we heal all. And mm-hmm. people deserve to have a clear chance at a pain body. And if if your trauma contributes to it and the pain of of the universe, it's yeah. it's a human and it's unfair. Right. Yeah. It is, it, it, there, there is this like unfairness of why do I have to do this? This happened yeah. to me. This sucks. I don't want to. And that's okay. You can have that come up. You can lay on the floor and say, oh, I don't want to fucking do this. Why can't somebody else do this for me? This oh, sucks. Yeah. Oh, I had like, that. Literally let mm-hmm. your inner child, it's all these inner children that are protecting you. Let them free. Do not shame how it's coming up for you. If you're wanting to kick and scream and you want to eat cereal all fucking day and not have this pain happen and you just want to hang out with your friends and go drink, go do it. But recognize that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Notice that the inner child in you is kicking and screaming and resisting and saying, I don't want to. This isn't fair. And that's okay. Acknowledge it. Thank it. Let it go. Yeah. preventing you from really stepping into what your potential is. Which is just to exist. Yes. Peacefully just to in be your body. peacefully. I know. The pain, pushing through the pain is worth it in the end, everybody. So <sighs> I wanted to say a couple of yes. things of when I knew I I still I do not like the word healed. Yeah. Because I think we heal our whole lives. I mean, I feel in a really good place about this trauma and Today, reading my story still brings me to tears because it is a massive part of my story. And I also, I'm in a phase now where because I've faced really what I feel like are my deepest traumas, I'm I'm able to focus on my spiritual growth and releasing that and also not identifying so deeply with the trauma is a big part of that. So I think saying all of that the biggest pieces in the healing process where I felt like and my therapist told me or people told you know said that is meaning that you have resolution in your heart is I have had two dreams about confronting the person and I was not scared I was not mean I was in I was fully in my power when I addressed that person Mm -hmm. 
And my therapist told me that that is a way you can, you can actually know that your brain's been rewired. So I thought that was really interesting. I've had two dreams confronting the person in front of their parents, actually, and just in a really civil way saying, hey, you did this to me and thank you because this is what I've created out of it and I now help women deal with pieces of shit like you. And it felt so good. So that was – a piece of shit, dude. Yeah, that was one of the things – Another thing is I was walking one day on the bay and I had a full flashback to the experience and I relived the whole experience again. And when I used to, when that used to happen or it used to come up for me, I used to think like, okay, I was wearing shorts. Was I drinking too much? All the things that every woman says to blame herself instead of just acknowledging that they had absolutely no way of getting out of that situation. You know, I could have screamed or kicked whatever, you know, and I actually experienced the whole thing over again and had this rush over my body of that happened to you. He is the perpetrator. You were a victim. You are not to blame. I just I I had that experience for the first time. It was after 11 years. And I feel like I finally that moment just released the guilt and shame from my body. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that was a massive part of healing, just being able to remove any piece of it was me. Mm-hmm. I had done something. I could have done something more to prevent it, really just being at peace with that. Mm-hmm. And my third thing was telling my dad. Mm. Yeah. It was a massive part of my healing and also kind of the loop that closed the circle. Mm. And he were so close with our dad. And throughout our life, he would have these little sayings, you know, don't get too close to the boys. It's going to be one of your friends. Don't trust the friends, you know, all this stuff. And he was ultimately right. It was someone in my direct friend group. And I held a lot of guilt and shame about that. So being able to finally tell my dad, and this just happened recently, a couple months ago, which was also one of the reasons I didn't want to talk about it publicly until my whole family knew about it. But when I told him, it was again, from such a place of power. And it was from a place of, I don't blame myself. I don't blame anybody else. I only blame the person. And now I'm, I'm whole, like I'm okay. I am actually okay now. I know that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think those are a couple important things in my story, at least that made me feel like I have healed from that experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And everybody's journey looks different. You know, I'm sure not every person has dreams where they reconcile with the person who hurt them so badly, but I just, I think it's interesting to see in a person's journey what, and at what point they felt like, okay, now I know I feel. Because obviously mm-hmm. the experience, screaming, crying, releasing it from the body. But then what? Right. You know, then what happens? And for me, those were a couple of things that had happened in my journey. And 
now I feel very good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> My gosh. So I'm I've, so <laughs> proud of you. I, it was like you had to say this today. Yeah. It was so, you know, it, it, I know that we came back – episode one of season two and it's just we didn't know what it was going to look like to come back. We didn't know what it was going to sound like to come back. If we'd be back together, you know, we didn't because even know. I was like, I don't even know if I can ever speak again yes. publicly. <laughs> and you were like, I don't know if this is going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. like you were going to do it by, by yourself maybe. But I'm so proud of you and of us and of our relationship, of your relationship with Michael, mine with Shane. Like I'm so excited to share more. And Me I'm too. so <laughs> proud of you because Thank now you, you get to move forward and you get yes. to offer this and say, you know, if you are experiencing something like this, listen to this. I mean, this yeah. is not easy stuff to talk about. No. And it feels like I can live really authentically now with my audience. It felt mm-hmm. like I was always holding something back. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can always tell when people on Instagram are like, oh, well, I'm a coach for this. And it's like, well, why? Right. You know, you're always wondering right. like, why did this happen? And I've right. had a question of like, what qualifies you? And mm-hmm. it's like, because I've been in the fucking trenches. Yes. Like I've been through it. And that to me is yeah. more valuable than a degree in psychology. I'm not saying everything is incredible, but yeah. really to understand and to resonate with so many people, I think is such a huge part of why I started my new business. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. And I want to thank everyone who's listening for hearing my story. And I'm just really honored to have shared with my sister on this podcast and to our followers who I know have been really listening. devoted. Yeah, yeah and really, really devoted. listening. So thank you all. Thank you to the Wolfpack. I'm, I feel really happy yeah. about today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Camille. Yeah. And I could just keep telling you how proud I am of you, but I feel like people will probably tune it out. Can you imagine? I'm just like, I am so but again, proud. Like, again, I'm I am so, so proud. proud. <laughs> no, but it means a lot. And it I'm proud of you lot. for taking the time to, yeah. to really like go through it and ingest yeah. it and feel it and then be able to talk about it from this place. Because of Me course too. we can talk about it from a place where – you know, it's like fresh on your mind, fresh on your mind and everything, but it feels like you did, you healed it for yourself and now you're able to share and help others support others on their healing journeys. So yeah. Good on you. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Thank you everyone. So to wrap up today, Welcome to freaking season two. I mean, we are coming in really raw this season together again, which is so much fun. We really, like we said, didn't have a plan for season two, but we feel so good about being back together and ready to share our experiences about awakening, spirituality, trauma, so much more for season two. And I'm just so excited. I I love you all. Thank you for listening, Wolfpack. Thank you for listening. We love you. Thank you to you, my sister. We thank you, the audience. And I'm going (laughs) to just go ahead and give myself a big old thank you to me. Yeah, thank you to you. And I'm going to go ahead and plug us. Yes. So on Instagram, we are at the Den Mothers. 
our personal pages are at SheWillFlorin and at Camille Misbach. Both of us have link trees, which link our websites, blogs, how to apply for our coaching and energy healing sessions. And we did just start a TikTok at the Den Mothers, so maybe we'll post on there a little bit. (laughs) Yo, I really need to get on TikTok. Yeah, beyond. So do I. So like, subscribe, share this with anyone you feel like needs to hear it. And we love you so much. We'll see you next whenever for another episode. (laughs) We love you. Peace out. Ow, ow, ow!